Hello, I am Cesara J, and I teach employees and entrepreneurs how to maneuver games of business politics with their morality, integrity, and health intact. And this is Business Politics 318 Podcast. Welcome. So I started Scene versus Shadow Workplace Initiative because of trauma that I endured in the workplace. I vowed to help others never endure what I had to go through. As a result, I've educated many companies and employees from major organizations such as uh, major airlines, government agencies, financial institutions, and even law offices. I've decided to start this podcast to help others maneuver games of politics by really hearing and Uh, obtaining the advice of people in different industries. This episode is brought to you by the Scene vs. Shadow Employee and Entrepreneur Support Workshops. You can find them on Eventbrite under Things to Do in New York City or Business Classes in New York City. Welcome to Business Politics 318. Once again, this episode is brought to you by the Scene vs. Shadow event workshop and support sessions. You can find the information on www.businesspolitics318.com. That's www.businesspolitics318. And those are the numbers, dot com. This episode I think you're going to really enjoy. You will see how I dialogue with one of my closest friends, uh, M. Michelle DeRosier, a wonderful author who's so awesome that even the former First Lady Michelle Obama wrote her a handwritten letter about articles that she wrote in the Ebony Magazine and the Jet Magazine. She's an awesome woman. Now, she's also an executive in Manhattan and She and I, this conversation was just so real, so candid. We even did code switching. Many of you already understand code switching. If you don't, code switching is the alteration of language that that humans have, that humans have and certain humans have culturally. When, When they get excited, when they're with people who they're very familiar with, et cetera. So you'll see times that we go from what seems to be like formal speech to very informal speech, very comfortable speech. So we just let it all loose. It's all loose. So the interesting thing about this episode too is that originally I thought that all the footage was damaged. I mean, just damaged. Even though we had a backup of the taping, that was damaged too. But the information that she shared was so good I tried to salvage it as best as I could so that I could bring this episode to you. So you'll see, you'll hear in places where you can tell that the footage was damaged, but you'll still enjoy the episode regardless. So have fun, relax, work, stay tuned. 
you're going to enjoy this episode where M. Michelle DeRosier co-hosts with me on Business Politics 318. Thank you for having me, and I will just warn your audience right now, that whole sexy podcast voice, you're not getting it from me, so you're just <laughs> going to have to take what you take and deal with it, um, but we're going to have fun. Hi, guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> and that's the cool thing about you. You're always so honest. <laughs> like the fact that you're so candid, it's just, it's just so funny like even, <laughs> even when you're not trying to be like even when you're like you're serious about something <laughs> you know <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah i believe they call that not having a filter right that's funny, that's yeah. so, funny. so i just want to start off just really quickly like i want you to tell people just your bio like who you are before we begin Sure. So I'm going to give you the official code switch bio. Um, <laughs> so I am in Michelle DeRosier and I leverage storytelling, technology, and collaboration friends in my world for Christ to bulldoze barriers to success for low-income youth and people of color and to snatch back the Haitian narrative from the mainstream. What this all means is that I care about Jesus. I care about people who don't have access. And I care about the fact that we as a people, as a Haitian people, as Black people, as people who are poor, we don't get to have other people define what our narrative is we're the only ones who can define our narrative. And the mode that I do this, I'm uh, 15 years experience leading um, nonprofit programs. I'm a published writer. So um, I'm an entrepreneur. So the mode doesn't matter, but the reasons why I do it, my North Stars remain the same no matter what mode that I'm working in. I think that's amazing. One thing that you talked about in your bios that when you were saying that you're very committed to increasing the number of people of color in nonprofit roles. Can, can you just talk to us before we begin? Like, like what is like your strategy? Like what, what outcomes do you want to achieve as well in order to help more people, more people of color get into those nonprofit leadership roles? Uh, so great. That's a really good um, question. So I just want to give a little context um, to this nonprofit issue because I feel like um, if you don't live and breathe it, you don't really understand what's going on. And a lot of it doesn't, it lives in research studies. So um, I can give you all the research where um, from 2006 studies started coming out where like 82% of executive directors were Caucasian. Um, 2014, 92% of foundation executive directors were also white or Caucasian. Uh, 2015, similar numbers, 87%. Um, a recent one that came out, I believe, was last year. Um, New York City, the most diverse city probably in the world, maybe, no, probably Toronto, but diverse New York, 69% of nonprofit CEOs and executive directors were white. So all of the stats exist in the, you know, cerebral piece, but I really wanted to bring the conversations out of the stats. 
I wanted to have the conversations that we as people of color are seeing and so I am and have been in my career one of the few faces of color that get to be at the tables when strategic decisions are made. I am blessed and fortunate to have been um, developed in a workspace where my executive director, although she's white, she's really been invested in my career and has really mentored and nurtured me. Um, and I have done my best to make sure that I'm doing the same as women of color coming into our organization. So from the very intentional piece of looking for women, looking, um, you know, to make sure that we bring women of color into the space, make sure that I set time aside to reach out to them. Look, you don't need to ask me for my advice, but I darn sure I'm going to give it to you. I will pull <laughs> you aside and be like, um, one of the things that I like to offer for my staff when they come in is that meet with you weekly beyond your day job. So, oh, of wow. course, I'm, I'm your director and I'm overseeing the work that you do. But what about your personal professional development? One of the challenges for nonprofits that we know is that our budgets are tight. So a lot of times that professional development piece just goes by the wayside, even for the nonprofits where they're committed and invested. So sometimes you got to work within the confines that you have. So I will offer, you know, weekly, you decide what makes sense for you. I want to know what your goals are beyond just working here. Not only are you, you know, your goals within the organization, but also your goals outside of the organization. What makes you tick? What lights you up? You know, what are the things that you get excited about? Because let's face it, um, when you try to separate yourself from work, we don't get the best out of you. So we're going to work to make sure that you are feeling like you could bring your entire self to work. You are feeling like there's not a mask that you have to wear on a Monday through Friday that you have to take off, you know, after five o'clock, after six o'clock, because who can keep, who can keep doing that? Like that's right. not sustainable. Right. Um, you know, so my, personal investment right now is ensuring that I am making myself available, like I am reaching out and making this offer and really, um, you know, bringing in resources from other folks to help to do the professional development. I'm mentoring and doing that piece, but I want to take it beyond that. I want to figure out, you know, how do we make sure that we bring in the resources to the nonprofits to make that professional development an anchor um, in the work, that it's not gonna be sort of a side thought when we have a few dollars that we can invest in making sure that the women of color and the people of color who are doing the program delivery mostly get a chance to do the professional development that can help them to become future leaders. Do you find that people are receptive uh, receptive to that kind of assistance, help? Um, yeah, so I'm, I joke that you're going to get my help whether you want it or not, but I'm very respectful of, you know, I will offer the help. I think sometimes you as the leader have to take the first step because what I hear a lot from leaders is that 
Well, I make myself available. They just don't come to me. But you don't realize that there's a power dynamic. That person might not come to you because they might assume that coming to you is a poor reflection on their abilities. So they're like, well, you know, I could really benefit from developing my leadership skills. But if I come to my director, if I come to my executive director or my manager or my boss, whomever, if I come to you and say, you know, you know, I could really use help in developing the skill or I could really use help in expanding on what I know, you might start to look at me as if, well, what did I hire you for? But the thing is, um, you can teach anybody anything. But if um, what I'm hiring you for is to develop those leadership skills, is to develop the creativity, the innovation, is to get you to bring to the table the kinds of things that, you know, yeah, you can work a PowerPoint or an Excel, what goes beyond that? So sometimes I feel like um, from what I have seen over the last 15 years that people, especially if there's, um, if there's a cultural or racial difference, um, that they would be less willing to reach out to, the, to their director or their supervisor or their manager for additional support because they don't want to be penalized for it. So the burden right. is on us as the leaders to do more than say we make ourselves available is to actually bring the conversation to them and say, you know, this is what I'm offering. Um, what makes you comfortable? How would you like to do this? I think to even bring it to them, they're just like, oh, like uh, initially it's like, do you not think that I'm doing my job? It's like, no, you, we hired you to be more than just your job. Like that's- wow. So, um, yeah, so that's... You mean they don't have to be robots? Is that what you're saying? They can be human? What? Look, look. We are not paying you this $12.50 to, to, to not be human because that's, you know, our nonprofit budget is so big. But honestly, like, you just... People are appreciate the fact that we you're working with humans you're working with human emotion you you don't come into work and you're able well maybe you can and turn off everything that makes you who you are makes Ooh, you the person okay. that you are so why should your staff come in and be able to suspend that piece of themselves like bring their whole selves to work and i know that it sounds very like ooh, you know pie in the sky but if you don't, um, if you want to just look at it from just a financial perspective, or you're not going to get the best from your staff. And if you don't get the best from your staff, you're not going to be able to innovate. You're not going to be able to move forward. You're not going to be able to um, grow. And, you know, you're not going to be able to sustain your organizations. People are going to do for your organization when you allow them to really be creative, to have a safe space to fail, to try. Otherwise, you're just not going to get it. You know, you know I, I appreciate what you're saying because, you know, I, I've been up since 11 o'clock p.m. yesterday, okay? <sighs> Yes, I've been up that. Yes. And so, so my mother, my mother calls me today and she says, so, oh, what time did you wake up? I said, 11 o'clock PM. She says, oh, you just woke up. I was like, um, no boo, boo. <laughs> I'm uh, 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 boo, ma'am, ma'am, boo. <laughs> 
I was like, no. I said, I said, mom. I said, mommy. I said, eleven o'clock p.m. And she said, and she goes, well, she goes, well, I don't mean to be in your in your business, but uh, what what were you doing? Wait, did she say she don't mean to be in your business? Um, yeah. ma- ma'am, stop it, stop, stop it right now. <laughs> We, we, we're just going to have to ask you to ask the Holy Ghost for forgiveness because you know that was a <laughs> bold-faced lie. Mama, if you miss, I'm so sorry. I Look, Cesar made me do it. She, mama, mama. <laughs> Hi, listeners. It's Cesar J. I'm going to take a pause for a moment. So Michelle and I, we are very candid with one another when we talk. We never know what's going to come out of the other's lips, but it just makes us laugh so much. So Michelle was was <laughs> she had mentioned uh, my mother uh, when when my mother you know she was kind of interjecting when I said that my mother said that she you know didn't mean to get in my business but Michelle knows that as mothers we have mothers who care about us there are many mothers who care about their children so they're always going to be in their children's business not necessarily prying or being you know invasive but. They care about what's on their children's heart, mind. And even if you don't tell them what's happening, for some reason they seem to know. So what's coming up next is that I'm transitioning into actually telling my mother what's on my mind. And in my field, my field is in crisis prevention, crisis detection, technology training and technology implementations. And over my 20 years of experience, there are times where I have to fill the gap in, me or my teams have to fill the gap in um, by any means necessary, as long as I believe it's filled with integrity and also it's the right thing, the legal thing to do. We're not going to do anything manipulative. But there are times that we have to go beyond what our call of duty and we have to perform in a way that can take a toll on us. But we want to see our, our customers successful. So next, I start to tell her about a previous customer that I was thinking about where there was problems that were happening with their change management, with their human, the the human factor of this technology implementation and where I had to do a lot, (laughs) a lot to be able to compensate that was beyond my call of duty in order to see the customer successful. So that was what was plaguing my heart at the time. So this is actually what I'm talking to Michelle about. So it's specifically referring to a customer um, in in the past that I was dealing with that, that was just on my mind at that moment. So listen in. I love, I love my customers, you know, and sometimes when things, there's a breakdown because, you know, when you're dealing, and most of the people that I've always dealt with in my entire career has been very large, large organizations. You know, I I ended up having to improvise because they had something to go very wrong. And my, my thing was, was I wanted to make sure that, 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 the events could still happen. So I had, you know, so I had to basically tap, dance, sing, and do the jig. (laughs) You know, I did. I had to tap, dance, sing, do the jig, couple of backflips, you know, do the Roger Rabbit, the MC Hammer, you know. 
and so you know and so having to do that so so that you know customers wouldn't have to cancel events and things like that you know i think yes yes because because the fiscal year has ended for so many organizations i started to think and i was like oh my gosh like this has been quite a, a time of having to do the jig a lot and so i started to feel bad and take the burden on myself because i was like wait a minute i i had to improvise and do this but i started to feel guilty and so then, then i was like well and then i was like well why are you feeling and the reason why i started to feel guilty was because um some of the it was it was maybe like two two of the surveys that went out to the participants weren't as high as I wanted them to be. And so, you know, instead of it being like a hundred percent, it was like, like 95%. And I was like, what? I don't get a 95. You know? <laughs> right. I was like, I was like, what? Do you know what I had to do to make sure that you can have what you needed? You know, and I was feeling some kind of way. And then I started to take that burden on myself because I was like, well, maybe in improvising, was I giving them too much of me in order for this event to be successful? And so then I, so then it was plaguing my mind all night because I said, maybe I told them too much of me, but it was so apropos for um for the improvisation in order to make sure that nothing had to be you know canceled and so i say all that to say that it means so much to me when you said that as leaders we have to make sure that when we're dealing with staff or vendors or whatever have you that we're not trying to make people be robots that we're allowing their humanity and who they really are to come out and so sometimes for myself i have to be a comedian in you know in these events in order to keep people's stress levels down in order to quell you know what i mean and then i was kind of thinking like oh my gosh maybe i should not have done that because i got those two evaluations that were 95 you know girl they could have just been having a bad day <laughs> they could be one of those people that are like nobody gets 100 what are you jesus right. <laughs> you right. don't know yeah no and that's so true and so how would you like like really real life talking about that how do you tell people like employees or anybody that that you're even mentoring how not to take things like that personally because again there's something that i love um david hansel for um david hansel's a commissioner of another of, of you know a customer that i um that i support as well and i love something that that he talks about and that the employees say that he talks about and it's called the second story he always wants to know the second story that's happening behind a situation not the first story that we just see but he but there's a second story so how do you encourage your employees that hey don't take everything to heart because perhaps there's a second story um I think first you have to just remember at least um I had to the I had to get to the point for myself where I remember um you have an initial kind of reaction or thought or just set of feelings and just like you were mentioning with David Hansel that those feelings that there's something beyond that 
Um, So for me, I had to get to the point where I was like, okay, um, you've taken things personal in the past when people were giving you feedback that was not meant to be hurtful. Mm. So, you know, what was it behind the reason why you were taking it personally? And nine out of 10 times, it had nothing to do with that person's feedback, but it was based on the story that I've been carrying some sort of hurt, some sort of thing. So again, um, if maybe you don't know, but I have a psychology background, like the, the work on yourself first is going to help you to be able to um, go to that person and to say, because you can say all you want, you know, this in this evaluation, this feedback that I'm giving you is not meant to be personal. It's really meant to shape your growth. Um, but that you should expect that that initial reaction might be that they take it personal. And if you're really honest with yourself, you've had those experiences and if you haven't done the work to figure out okay how do I not let the initial reaction um hurt me how do I figure out what's behind it you need to do the work for yourself to figure out okay um you probably have reacted poorly to initially when somebody gave you feedback that was not exactly positive So you had to understand what was behind that feedback. So until you do that work for yourself, you can't help guide somebody else into learning that process for themselves. So, you know, I've started to be able to do that. But the only way that I've been able to do that is because I had to do it for me first. So when I now am talking to staff um, and you give feedback and you can see you know, from their faces. First of all, don't give, don't do evaluations by phone. Do it in person. Do it outside of the office. Um, And this is whether your staff, whomever, that you're giving feedback to, try to do it as much as possible in person. Try to do it as much as possible in an environment that doesn't, um, that doesn't show the disparity in your positions. So try oh, to level really... the field as much as possible. I'm a huge fan of taking people to coffee shops. Nobody's yeah. going to be upset at you when they're eating some baked goods. <laughs> 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 they're not. <laughs> I will ply you with some croissants. You're going to be like, oh, you want some brioche? Girl, get the brioche too. It's okay. Uh, unless, unless you're allergic to it. <laughs> well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's it's okay. Let the person feel what they're feeling. Let them let them have that initial reaction. And sometimes you just need to leave the conversation where it is and give them some time to process. Because from my again, 15 years of experience of leading folks, I will see people come back and process for themselves and be like, I overreacted. But for those who haven't done the work to be able to do that, you could guide them but you can't guide them until you've done that process yourself how would you deal in a situation where you see uh, an employee who maybe maybe that employee is upset 
they've been upset every day coming to work and then they finally you know they're telling you that it's because I don't have enough resources to do the job but yet you're still expecting me to perform but I don't have the resources you know and you know how, how would you deal if they if they genuinely don't have the resources because maybe there's whatever sort of politics it doesn't have to be evil politics it just could be you know financial politics you know whatever where you don't necessarily have the resources to give your employee then how do you quell a situation like that you just are here just asking all the deep questions aren't you <laughs> she's just like my mind. <laughs> um i think and you, you know, you understand this and you know this, that resources are tight in organizations, period. That's right. Um, and I, there's an extra strangling of resources in nonprofits, especially smaller nonprofits where your budget is already limited. Right. And when funders, yes, I'm calling you off funders as amazing as some of you have been. <laughs> um, please know and understand that we do the amazing work that we do when you give us some latitude with the way that we use the budget. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Program dollars are amazing and we wanna continue to ensure that we are meeting the needs of the participants that we have committed our mission to meet, but if we can't pay our staff, if we're overwhelming our staff with um, programs, for example, if your program staff is having to handle a caseload of a thousand people, how is that possible? Right. And, you know, so if I'm asking you for resources to be able to put technology in place to allow them to comfortably handle 500 and you know and then hire somebody else to be able to take the second load don't look at it as well we're not funding that we just fund program but you've you've already put the program at a deficit because you're not giving the staff their ability to do their best work because they're right. overwhelmed and overstressed that's right so, um so to your questions in terms of how to deal with the um with the staff who's feeling like, you know, I generally don't have the resources available to me to be able to do this work that you want me to do. Uh, I'm very transparent, <laughs> as you know. Um, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, um, and I'm, I'm going back to the fact that I am in a unique space here where my organization is pretty small and the leadership down is very transparent. So people know what our budget is. We know who's giving how much. We know the people who are not continuing to fund. So you know exactly what we have. So there's never any like, maybe you have the resources, but you're hoarding it for something else. That's not the case. So my staff are very clear on where resources are and how we're allocating them. Um, so the transparency is one. And then two, um, you're going to do what you can do with the resources that are available to you. Yeah. So if it means that, you know, 
on a day-to-day -day basis, you can give 90% instead of the 100 because you honestly don't have the way to give the 100 because you're so overwhelmed, then I want you to give that 90%, but give 100% to that 90% you're working wow. with. Wow. Does that make sense? Honestly, you have to be realistic with um, the confines that are around you. So, you know, yes, every day you want to give 100% to every single thing that you're doing. But realistically, if your resources make it impossible, this percentage is going to get 100% today. This percentage is going to get 100% tomorrow, the one that I miss, you know, on the Monday, on the Tuesday, you know, that next group is going to get 100%, whatever that work, the project, the task is. But you have, as a leader, please stop being jerks to people. Right. Please stop. Right. Please stop. Because okay. you know when you're overwhelmed, because each of us um, is led by somebody else, whether it's a direct boss, and uh, I don't really like that word, um, whether it's a direct boss or not, you have somebody that you are accountable to, whether that's your client, um, whether that's a client of a client, you have somebody that you're accountable to. So you right. know for yourself when they're stressing you and pushing you into a position and you're like, look, I am doing really the best that I can with what's available to me. I like that. And it makes me think about, you know, how you were just talking about don't be a jerk to your staff right is that is that the is there a more professional way to say it um Absolutely i'm just not. <laughs> i'm gonna keep the code switch to a minimum to a minimum today <laughs> no there is there is no better way to say that but but it made me think about how we even it's not even just workplace politics with other people sometimes i feel like it's it's personal politics that we play with ourselves when, when we're perfectionist. And it's like, just like we shouldn't be jerks to our staff, we as, as people, we can't be jerks to ourselves. And I'm talking about, right? Like, right? So it's like for those, and I, and I have to be very honest, you know, I do suffer from perfectionism. And so when things aren't perfect, I will do everything thing that I possibly can, even to the point of burnout, to not only perfect it for myself, but I, but for me, because of my mother and the, the way that she taught us, I end up going above and beyond, like I said, almost to the point of burnout, because now I want to make sure that my you know, my customer looks good and then my customer customers look good. So now I'm spending the weekends doing, you know, making sure that, that I, I have every like preventive sort of solution. So just in case something happens, blah, 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 blah. And if this fails, I have that. And if that fails, and then I have this solution and blah, 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 blah. And then sometimes the customer is like, well, like I remember one, one customer said, well, just collect the check. And I was like, huh? <laughs> Be like, who, whose child do you want to just collect the check? What? <laughs> I was like, that is not Rosina's child. Don't you know? Don't you know my mother? You know, I don't just collect the check. But, you know, as I, as I got older, 
I realized what he was saying. He wasn't saying, well, I hope he wasn't saying. <laughs> well, we'll just keep it to your interpretation. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I think he was trying to say that, look, you can't always be superwoman, even if you want it to be 100%. There are times when if you don't have the resources, unfortunately, you'll have to give the 65% if that's the amount of capacity and resources that you have. But then you put a spin to it. You said, but in that 65, 75, 85%, you give your 100%. And, you know, for sometimes for people who are perfectionists, it's a disconnect because they're just kind of like, well, how do I give 100% for 65%? But, uh, but what, what happens, you know, because, because uh, you know, if you, if you have that spirit of perfectionism or even excellence, you know, sometimes it can, it can be a struggle to even work that 65% because you still want to achieve that 105%. Yeah, I mean... Okay, so I'm going to um, clue your audience in into a little bit of the personality of Cesara. So, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yes, please do. Don't go ahead. So if you want to hire somebody who you're like, I don't even want to think about this project. I want somebody to come in and from the moment that I have the initial conversation with you and outline for you what my thoughts are, first of all, I want you to come in and give me some ideas on my thoughts. I want you to expand what I've already and bring some more creative ways to think about things. And then I want you to execute to a T. And I want to leave this project and not have to worry, not have to stress. I want to be able to continue to the to give my time to other projects and not have to check in on you and just not be sure that you're doing what you need to. Go ahead and hire Cesare now. She will make <laughs> your life the easiest thing. Um, and you know, to certain to a certain extent, it is at her detriment because right. I have seen her. I have been in the room with her. We've we will we have what's called these like um, marathon weekends, like marathon sessions, where we yeah. will literally from like a Friday through a Sunday, we would be up working and um, doing what we need to do, get some food. We would come back like just yeah, but you know, in a healthier way, the kind of commitment that you get, and um, she's not paying me to say any of this, by the way, so, <laughs> but I, after this now, if this blows up and you get some clients, <laughs> I want to cut, <laughs> but honestly, I have seen her work ethic, I have seen the way that if, if say, Cesara, I, you are the one that I want to lead this project. You're the one I want to coordinate this. And, um, you know, your name and your stamp is going to be on it. You don't have to worry at all because her name matters to her. So even if you're just like, oh, just give me this little bit and it's fine. You know, she's going to be like, but Cesare Johnson's name is going to be on there or Tecro's name is going to be on there. So you're going to see excellent so if you want to see excellence just hire her get your life 
you know, but that actually is, um, is a thought that I was having just in terms of, you know, consider anybody can learn anything and be able to do it for you. Consider the kind of person whose ethics are going to be not about you, but about themselves, that they're like, you know, the quality of what I do matters to me. So I'm going to do my best because it's a reflection on me if I don't. Mm, Yeah. But, um, okay. That was them and off chart girl. Sorry. This y'all, y'all wanted a real look into what conversations we have. We we go off on tangents and we just come back and the, the, this is what happens. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It is true. But you, but you know what? It's, it's very, I think it's very intellectual and very stimulating conversations because we think about a lot because I mean, even, even if I can be, if I can be very candid, you know, there was a time where, you know, you and I have never had a spat before. And then it was, you know, we had that one time where, you know, you were going for this like $2 million job, you know, and then you and I kind of like, you know, we kind of got into it because only because I, even for you, the, 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 the kind of integrity that you have in terms of how you believe so much in your work. And so it's one of those things where, you know, we ended up laughing it off, but because we, we understand one another and we understand how, you know, like it, like our names and our integrity, like we're perfectionists. We like to do things well. Now, of course, wisdom, you know, there's that wisdom that comes in to kind of bring the balance. And, you know, I'm, I'm right. And I'm still learning how to adult, you know, <laughs> you know, we're all in this together. Right, still learning how to adult, but to kind of see, because I mean, for you listeners, for those of you who don't know, I've known Michelle, I think since 2000 and, was it 2005 or six? I think 2006, Sarah hired me. Um, So yeah, she was my boss for a little bit. So it's been a hundred years. Years, a hundred years, right? So, so clearly, we're not math majors, people. <laughs> as as you and I always talk about statistics, right? Um, but it's it's one of those things where, from the first time, oh, I have to tell this story. It was so funny. So when I first met Michelle, Michelle came in for the interview and it was, and I will never forget this. She says to me, so do you all have a a 401k? And I was like, what? I was like, what? I was like, woman, we don't even have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, okay? And it was so amazing because she was this young, and I was cracking up. I just, oh my gosh. Let me tell y'all, I was three years out of college. Between the three years out of college and the time I came from my professional, first professional job, I had had, y'all remember the Heyman family from uh, Living Color? Yes. 
I had had every single job you could think of. <laughs> I was like, I was the bartender. I was the bar. I was the building. I was the vodka. Like I was everything. I just, I just had jobs. And then during that time, I started um, hearing Susie Armin, and then she was just like, "Yeah, you need to be asking about this." I was like. <laughs> What is all this thing? And so I think it was like the young, fabulous, and broke was the book that had yeah. maybe just recently come out. And then she was talking about like what you need to be getting and you know how you get it. So I came to that interview like, look, this woman named Susie Orman said, y'all gotta <laughs> give, y'all gotta give me a full white case. So I'm gonna go get it or not. But the funny thing is, I was I was thinking. I, I mean, I was cracking up so much because I said, I, I think she's in the wrong place. I think, but I knew her heart because based upon what I saw on her resume, I knew her heart really was with like nonprofits and helping people. But it was just so funny. I was like, this is not Goldman Sachs, boo. I was like, look, we, we are just trying to make it ourselves, okay? It was the funniest thing, but I knew from that point on when I was, I was cracking up so much, but I knew from that point on, I said, you and I would know each other forever. But you know that I have been saying that you were placed, I was placed in your life and you were placed in my life. Like that's the truth. Exactly. Because God knows that. God knew that we needed to be in each other's lives. Yeah. Like from yeah. the way that the position worked out for me to find it, the organization um, was something that I was like, if it didn't exist, this is what I wanted to create. Um, and God worked through um, Craigslist of all things right. to bring me to this position. And I promise you that there were, other positions that I had not even um like no one had responded uh for months while I was looking for a position and then I saw this thing because I remember being like oh um doing the internal work of what am I interested in what really makes me wake up every day and is like oh I want to do this and when I saw the description of the organization I was like but god that's what I said yeah <laughs> and right. then you know talk about moving god moving things again um when cesaro was interviewing me she was interviewing me with somebody else who was no longer in the organization who did not want me as the candidate yeah oh, <laughs> and talk about advocating for the people that you want and advocating for women of color absolutely you know she was in a position where she could open a door for me and she fought and she did mm-hmm. um and as a leader especially a leader of color i know the burden is the burden is very difficult and sometimes you just want to be like why it always got to be a fight right I want to fight yeah I'm fighting for myself now I have to fight for somebody else too yeah girl that's what comes with the melanin wow just just just, just take it wow. um you Hashtag. know just, <laughs> just like Cesara had to go and fight to make sure that I was the person hired 
sometimes you're going to have to go and fight for this other black face who's going to come in and you're like no this is the person for this position and maybe your white colleague might not see the same thing and you're going to have to translate why they make sense um to the organization and why they're the best person for it just like you're going to have to do maybe for your staff who's trying to develop and move up in the organization sometimes you have to take a loss for your staff to take a win Mm. and you have to you have to be okay with that and if you're not okay with that and if you're too scared to move backwards and let your staff shine like there's work that still needs to be done in you oh that's so good Mm. That's so good. And that's like a perfect transition to fear. Um, Like, it's so interesting. Michelle was talking about the marathon sessions that we have. And I'm laughing because one time I had a total breakdown. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens when you're just like, oh, Lord. (laughs) What am I doing? I didn't sleep. I didn't eat for like 48 hours. And I just remember how, you know, like God has just been so good because he's placed us into positions that, you know, someone said yesterday, he doesn't, he doesn't, that God doesn't qualify the qualified, but he, but he qualifies those who are called. Okay. And I was like. All right now, and I just and, and you know, but it's it's one of those times where you know, like for example, she doesn't like when I tell people this, but I have to say it. Like Michelle is an amazing writer, so amazing that First Lady Michelle Obama. BFF in my head, though, just in my head. (laughs) (laughs) That's so real. It's one of those things, like, I've known Michelle for so long, and so one time she chose to babysit me for a couple weeks. You know, it's longer than a couple weeks. I'm totally exaggerating. It's longer than a couple of weeks, so Michelle was adult-sitting me. And so so I'm in her house, and I'm like, Root? Root? Wait a minute. Is Is that like the like the Michelle Obama and Michelle is like my Michelle who who's co-hosting right now is kind of like oh yeah you know it's just like it's just Michelle Obama I'm like what I'm like uh, what what I'm like, I'm like uh. so I sit there I so I start I go up to her wall and I start taking pictures you know cuz I'm like I was like Michelle you don't say anything like you never tell anybody anything so I say all this to say is that you know Michelle is one of those people who she's um, she's amazing she's written for um it's like Jet and Ebony, mm-hmm. you know. She she has a ser- oh she just came out with the book that it was a capstone book. It was yes about Ruby Bridges who was the um, first African American um, child to integrate uh, Louisiana school system. 
And if you Google it, you'll see that she's like on Target and I'm talking about Michelle's book. It's like Target, Barnes and Nobles, and of course, Amazon. Of course, I've been taking pictures of it. That's how I know. So, you know, it's like- uh, oh, oh, can I quickly put in a, a, a thing in there? Um, you want a hype man? You see what she's doing. You, you just got to sit down because some this girl will be like um she didn't want me to tell you about this but you gonna listen my friend here <laughs> look she did this do you know who she is she will go into girl she she has embarrassed the life out of me on the train be like uh this is michelle okay she is this amazing writer and you better respect her name and she will do that and she she just happy as heck she'll be like oh heck yeah they need to know about you so <laughs> if you don't have friends in your corner who will be your hype folks who will just be like because sometimes you just like i guess but they're they're gonna be like guess nothing this girl did this oh you oh you're not gonna respect her you better come here while i tell you let so this you, <laughs> this is Sarah. but it's one of those things where sometimes i i'm just so flabbergasted by michelle because she's like well yeah uh are you sure you're talking about me i'm like yes you're the one who wrote the darn thing <laughs> but if you need you a letter of recommendation that girl will just sit here and they're gonna be like oh you need a re- letter of recommendation to heaven jesus will be like oh you can come in you can come in. That's so funny. <laughs> no, oh if you, you need you the kind of friend that Cesare is, like it's this is this genuine, like just excited and happy for your success as she is for her own, and she will just be out here just like telling your business and being like, oh yeah, no, put her aside, move. You you're not saying this thing good about you. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you all the good things that she's been doing no that's that's the kind of friend like she does this this isn't just for the podcast like she does this on the subway <laughs> i get so excited because i mean that's not it you guys like i mean when i tell you this she is the bee's knees okay and that's for for, uh, for those of you who don't understand that means the business that means the business in other words <laughs> and aka that means awesomeness okay um, but it's one of those things like it's not and it just doesn't stop there like then it goes to like you have this new series that are, that's coming out called Happy Harper oh my god you guys yes so this has been a labor of love for whew, I don't know how long I feel like Happy Harper has lived in my heart for so many years and we won't give him much time but it was re my energy was refocused to get happy harper out about a year or so ago when um your president decided to uh make that comment about haitians (laughs) your president decided to make that comments about haitians and um you know we won't even go into all the all the disparaging remarks that he made. So Happy Harper existed long before his comments, but I did get my fire refueled um, once that happens because I just got so annoyed and tired of other people telling the Haitian story. It's not yours to tell. Um, So Happy Harper is um, this quirky Haitian-American little girl who's growing up and exploring Brooklyn. And if you don't know, Brooklyn is my heart. I am 
Brooklyn Haitian. Um, I grew up on Flatbush, and some people now call it Prospect Clifford's Gardens. Right, right. <laughs> well, well, historically, it was Prospect Clifford's Garden when the Dutch settled here. Uh, I can give you a history, but when we were growing up in the 90s, it was still Flatbush. Um, so Brooklyn is my heart. I wanted her to be in Brooklyn. So she's this super colorful personality. She's quirky. She's awkward. Um, she has these signature blue spectacles. She has these wiry, wiry reddish brown curls. And she has so many mismatched outfits. And her one goal in life, well, her two goals in life, one to have her grandfather come from Haiti to come live with them in Brooklyn. And then the second is for her to have a pet chicken. So in the first book, uh, grandpa comes home. She finally gets her grandfather to come live with her in Brooklyn. So he's leaving Haiti. Um, so it's this immigration story that people don't get to tell you what your immigration story is. What the wow. news says, um, all that negative conversations, all the ways that it's being portrayed, that's that's the public story. We're bringing it just to the, this is a little granddaughter who's super excited about her grandfather coming over and it's just telling that love of, you know, having loved him from afar for so long, now she finally gets to love him. Um, and so that's the first story. Eventually she's going to get her pet chicken, but we're gonna wait in the series to give her her pet chicken. But, um, you know, Happy Harper, there are so many um, authors out there and creators out there of Haitian background. There were so many creators of, um, you know, Haitian American, African American. There are so many different types of um, culturally um, diverse stories that are being told that aren't given the spotlight. Um, so I'm not the only one. I am a voice in this and I am super happy to be spotlighting the other people who are doing these things as well. So Happy Harper book on um, Instagram. You know, I'm very intentional about spotlighting other authors of color who are doing this amazing work as well that they just don't get. Um, but yeah, uh, Happy Harper. Um, we are crowdfunding in August. Um, <laughs> we're launching in, excuse me, we're launching our crowdfunding in September. Um, but we're going to start in August because it's grandparents month. So we're going to be out here spotlighting um, from little kids to adults, just what your grandparents mean to you. And then we're going to launch the crowdfunding campaign with I Fund Women in September. And then the book will come out September 2020. Oh, this is exciting. So can you tell them like the age range? absolutely so we are the book is from five to eight years old oh that's gonna be exciting so yes yeah, so i've i've during our marathon sessions i've had the chance to see like like the renderings of the drawings and how cute happy harper is and you know and even though 
um, even though Michelle focuses a lot on um, Happy Harper, or like on her Instagram, I was like, Michelle, you got to tell people about yourself too, because I'm like, you know, Michelle's story is so interesting and just the wealth of knowledge that she has is amazing. Like you guys, she's like that hidden bomb that you're just like, you're just like, a like you think you're, you think you're getting one thing and then you get like this multiplicity of somebody, you know, and it's the coolest, it's the coolest thing. So, well, we don't have that much time left. So what I want to do is I want to end this with what is your favorite quote of all times that you could offer the audience to help them in whatever situation they may be in? What's your favorite quote? Ooh, that's a good one. Hmm. I have quite a few favorites, um, but I think one that continues to resonate with me um, throughout different parts of my life um, is speak the truth, even if your voice shakes. Um, and, um, and I think you the reason why it resonates with me one because my voice people are always like are you okay are you crying no that's just my voice leave me alone (laughs) but I think as an introvert you know there's there's this almost like uh, unwillingness to speak um, because you don't think that your voice matters that people want to hear what you have to say but your truth could make a difference to somebody else so you're gonna and if your voice shakes you're gonna continue on with it so that's one of my favorite quotes so do you think it matters you know how some people say well oh my gosh they're just complaining you know there's some people who just shut up because people perceive them as you know not everybody but you have those kind of naysayers who see them at see them as complaining so what what do you tell people you know who want to say something but they don't want to be looked at as complaining because they're speaking up for what is right. Um, I'd say, first of all, you are completely normal. And we <laughs> all have those moments where you're like, oh, Lord, I got to be the voice of truth in this right. space again. Right. Like, I don't want people to label me as this one thing. Um, but I, I can't remember who made that um, point to me but it was like okay so what if you didn't speak and then mm. the repercussions of it or something that you would have never been comfortable with what if by not speaking um you know something happened that you're have you speaking up might have averted and wow. it always really stayed with me because I'm like okay, I don't want to be the one to say this again, but what I want less is what if I had a chance to speak a word that might have changed something for somebody and I didn't? Ooh, that is X. I'm telling you, y'all, I, I think I might be using her as my favorite friend just because she always has those <laughs> gems of wisdom. That's so I'm silly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I swear I didn't read that in a fortune cookie. I promise y'all. <laughs> oh, 
amazing. I mean, your your words of wisdom, it is so awesome. Like, I love I love when you invite me to go to, like, little conferences, not little, but to conferences and workshops with you because, you know, I'm going in there, you know, as, like, an audience member. And then when, when like, you know how they say, like, people, if you have um, a question, uh, you know, raise your hand. And so Michelle, like, she'll raise her hand. And all of a sudden, this, like, like Socrates will come out, you know? And it's like, and it's like, dang, Michelle, you know, like, you don't talk to me on the phone like that. Where's all this coming from? And it is the... <laughs> chocolate um my favorite quote is um whenever god gives in a person wealth and possessions enables them to enjoy it accept their lot and be happy in their work that's a gift of god and that's one of my favorite quotes when i see people who are in the workplace who are struggling and almost think that they have to stay in a place um, of suffering longer than they have to. I, and I remind them that, you know, the Bible says that whenever God gives you a, a job that you enjoy, you can be happy in your work, except, you know, accept that lot. And that's a gift of God. And I think that we have a right to, to accept the gift and not always feel like we have to suffer through everything. You don't have to suffer through everything. It's, you know, some things you just have to, right? You have some things you just have to call it quits. Like there's something that I, and I actually wanted to mention this to you really quickly though, but it was something that, that I saw and I've seen this multiple times and it says, you know, winners are not the people, winners are not the people who never fail, but, but they are those who never quit. And I said, I'm sorry, I don't buy that. Cause I said, boo, that sounds cute, but there, you know, it's a problem when you stay at a place that you should quit because it's toxic, you know, you know, and then I said, you know, I, I believe in persevering, but when it comes to you ha sacrificing your life, sacrificing your integrity, no, you need to quit. You need to throw up the deuces with the quickness, you know, <laughs> like call me quitter because i quit boo it's true and i'm like i'm not saying to quit everything but some people especially from like i feel like my parents generation you know like they were taught to stick through things you know like just stick through things and and don't quit the job because remember i mean these are people who went through the jim crow laws and you know they were just so happy to finally get a job like post quote unquote civil rights, even though civil rights are still continuing, but you know, they were so happy to just have this job that when they got this job, they were just told stick, stick with it, no matter how toxic it was, no matter, you know, and so it's again, you now you have our generation and then you have even the younger generation um, who's just kind of like, well, if it's if it's that toxic and it's going to you know, it has ill effects on my health you know, then I don't, ha I can quit and it's okay, you know? Yeah, I don't think we, um, we have that same problem now where it's like, I'm out, <laughs> you don't know how to treat me. 
uh, I'm gonna go, sorry, and I'm just not going to take it. I don't have to take it, and I, and I had this, there was this one program manager, I'll never forget, he didn't get the promotion that he wanted, so he gave a 10-minute resignation notice. <laughs> I was like, what? A, what? A 10-minute resignation notice. But, but he was so gangster that he walked off the job in 10 minutes and went into the uh, went to the customer. He got, he had a job with the customer, so he now became the he he now became the the customer. So he he walked off of of um from our company and then became our company's customer. I said, is that not gangster? Uh, uh yes. So that's actually a very good um note for those who are listening. Uh. If you're going to give 10 minutes, please be sure that you have the ability and the network to be able to walk over. Right. <laughs> this guy is a special circumstance. Right. Right. Now, don't everybody start walking off in five minutes. <laughs> Let me give you this 10 minute notice. Okay. You quit on me in 10 minutes. I'm coming after you. That is too funny because I actually had this happen. And this group recently hired, we had a huge event um, coming up on a Saturday. So we had taken one of the weekdays off that she was recently hired. I was going to be hosting this event and um, I was going to have her. She's going to walk through and help with setting up and talking to our clients. Um, and these were potential donors at that point. She quit on the Friday. <gasps> And you want to know what she said? Uh-oh, what did she say? Came and she was like, it's so, it's so stressful working. <laughs> so I just, I promise you that her resignation was that work is too stressful and then she just needs to take a moment. So she's going to quit. Mind you, she hadn't been there a month. Wow. Take your sabbatical for as long as you need to take it. Take it. Ma'am, how are you tired of you doing online trainings to get you oriented? <laughs> how are you tired of? But you know, it, it goes, it kind of, but you know, I mean, to be fair, it goes 
to that second story, right? So we, we don't know where she came from if she went through some sort of egregious politics before where she should have just kind of... No, if, she came straight out of college. <laughs> well, maybe in college she endured some egregious politics. That little girl had her parents' uh, money waiting for her so she wasn't worried. <laughs> so that just goes back to my reminder about people not being jerks. Don't yeah, be jerks. don't... don't hashtag hashtag don't be a jerk okay don't be a jerk so michelle um if people want to talk to you to get advice from you etc how would they know they they know how to get happy harper that's at happy harper on instagram but if they wanted to talk to you personally um what social media, what would be your social media handle or email address or whatever, whatever you're comfortable with giving them, how could they reach you? Whatever is comfortable for you. Oh, y'all want to talk to me? Okay. <laughs> talk to me. Um, you can talk to me. I'm on LinkedIn. Probably that's the easiest way yeah. to get in touch with me. And um, <laughs> I am um is LinkedIn. So uh, rather than write out all of and Michelle DeRosier. So it's M M DeRosier. D E R O S I E R. And it is French. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, that's funny. And it is. So I will have I will have the link for everyone um on the podcast page for um, M. Michelle DeRosier and myself. So, Michelle, this has been so much fun talking with you. Thank you for being my co-host. I appreciate it. Oh, my goodness. Thanks for making the invite, and thank you to your audience for listening. This is amazing. So would you be willing to come back in a future episode and co-host again? <laughs> we'll just wait and see what the uh, survey results say. <laughs> I know you're going to be requested. I already know this. I'm happy to, you know, um, really the kind of support. Be a friend to your friends. Stand, just be the friend that your friends are to you. Stand up, support them, encourage them. Don't wait until, you know, their names are in light to be like, no, oh, that's my friend. That's when right. You, their friend, when they were getting everything up and running that's right um, so be the friend be that's that right friend. were you my friend when my wallet was telling me <laughs> Girl, i'm gonna give you a load <laughs> when my wallet was going on a sabbatical and told me that it quit my wallet quit on a friday okay i had an event to go to on saturday my wallet quit on a friday machine because it said it had nothing to lose but to be clean okay it's like, like that's when you should be supporting your friends you know your friends who are who you know you who you know ha, uh, have a heart of achievement like don't be supporting the ones who are bums who are bums and want to stay bums if your friends are those who just want to stay bums i'm sorry no 
No. you had a great laugh with us and also that you really just learned a lot from the both of us and i just thank you so much for tuning in and until next time this is business politics 318 take back your smile